Good evening, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Terror Radio Podcast. If this is your first time joining me, then welcome. This is a podcast dedicated in bringing you the best of horror and thriller all-time radio broadcasts, as well as original stories. I'm your host, Keith, a.k.a. The Radio Show Nerd. And first and foremost, I want to dedicate this episode to Carol A. Simmons, my aunt, who after almost 10 to 15 years of battling several health issues, passed away on Memorial Day. She was my biggest fan and my biggest supporter for this podcast. Love you, Aunt Carol. Tonight's episode is entitled The Ultimate Double Cross. And I think you're going to enjoy the two radio plays I've selected tonight. So, without further ado, this is Terror Radio. The two radio series highlighted tonight are the short-lived radio series Obsession followed by Murder at Midnight our first radio play is entitled Raised from the Dead and from my research it looks like this was first broadcasted sometime in 19 either between 1952 51 to 1952 on Obsession. After that, we have the radio play, Murder is a Lonely Business. And this was first broadcasted on Murder at Midnight on December 16th, 1946. So, you all know the drill. Sit back, turn down the lights, and listen to Raised from the Dead, followed by Murder is a Lonely Business. Obsession. Executed in the electric chair of a state's prison, be reborn to wreak vengeance against society? In a moment, you'll hear a weird and fantastic story of a terrible obsession starring Mary Anderson. confines of a psychopathic ward, 
redolent of iodoform and peraldehyde, where a moon-faced clock bites off time in rounded nibbles, a girl lies under the white counterpane of a restraining bed, a girl somewhere in her early twenties. She had been found wandering in the streets, her mind enveloped in that darksome mantle that is called amnesia, remembering not even her name. Then at the hospital, that void of darkness was probed by the searching skill of a psychiatrist. And she wanted to talk. She had to talk with the same urgency that one must breathe. It was an obsession. There. There, Miss Bennett. Feel a little easier now? Just get the bedside, man, I doc. I just want you to listen to me for a while. That's all you can do for me anyway. This whole thing keeps buzzing around inside my head. It, it's driving me crazy. I... Yeah, I saw that look between you two. <laughs> you think I'm crazy already. Well, maybe I am. Maybe I'm dead, too. I don't know. It all seemed like Simple arithmetic. Just simple arithmetic. What... What is it you want to tell us, Miss Bennett? <laughs> I don't know why I want to tell you. The whole life's on me. But I... I've got to stop this buzzing inside my head. This buzz, buzz, buzz. Look, Doc. You remember a guy called Olins? Frankie Olins? The gangster? Oh, yes, I saw him in the headlines. Held up a postal truck, didn't he? Well, let's see now. He, uh, he got away with $400,000. Well, he, uh, almost got away. And the next time I saw his name, the state had him in a gas chamber. And that was it, wasn't it? No, Doc. Not by a long shot. That was just the beginning. You mean you've been in conversation with him since he... Went to the great beyond. Where Frankie finally went. It's too hot for conversation. But he didn't go there when the state and the newspapers thought he did. You see, I was Frankie's girl. Well, anyway, he figured I was. So I know the whole story. I ought to know. I made it happen. Right from that day, I went to visit Frankie in the death cell. He was waiting for his mouthpiece, Jim Vincent, and for his brother, Carl. I knew he'd never tell where he had hidden that hunt. Four hundred thousand. Four hundred thousand. <laughs> Unless we got him out. So, when Jim and Carl arrived and told us a reprieve had been turned down out by everybody, even the governor, I decided to try a long shot. Something I'd been keeping under wraps for a long time. Frankie was pacing the cell again. Well, what are you going to do? Just sit here? Can't you think of something? Come on, Carl. Where's that brotherly love? We've seen everybody. I don't, I don't know what to do. There's not a legal trick left. But there is a chance. Just one. It's a long one, Frankie. What is it? For Pete's sake, what is it? There's a friend of mine. A doctor. I was talking to him last night. A doctor? Are you kidding, Sally? What good can a doc do me? Why don't you let her talk, Frankie? Maybe she's got something. All right, all right. Go ahead. It's like this, Frankie. The doctor told me that with the right injections, a man who's been gassed can be uh, brought back to life. Brought back? Sally, what are you giving me? 
What kind of a double cross is this? Relax, honey. Before you have a guard here. I'm telling you a plain fact. Anyone who's been gassed and even pronounced dead can be revived, provided you get him to the right doctor fast enough. You want to hear the details, Frankie? Okay, Sally. I'm listening. But get this straight. You, Jim, and you, Carl, I don't do no talking about the 400 grand until I'm out of this pen. And you can figure how much talking I'll do if I come out dead. (laughs) I was laughing in myself all the time, Doc. Frank, worrying about Jim and Carl when it was little me who had all the plans. Well, anyway, we pulled it off. We bought ourselves a couple of prison guards and a laundry driver. On my instructions, Frank asked to be cremated. Then, after the prison officials pronounced him dead, our guards switched bodies. One body was sent to the crematory with a tag of Frank Ollins. That's the one you read about in the headlines. But the real Frank Ollins was shoved into a laundry sack. In less than ten minutes, the truck driver was pulling up in the rear of an old house I'd rented, about a mile from the pen. Laundry man! Come on, Jim. Call. Okay. Give me a hand. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I am down on the table. All right. Okay, driver. Yeah. Okay, okay. Here's your money. Beat it. Okay, lady. All right, Scotty. Here he is. of mine. He had his apparatus all set up. A tank of oxygen, a pull motor, and a little miracle drug called methylene blue. You can look it up in any medical journal if you're interested. Anyway, Scotty went to work. Look at him. Look at Frankie, boys. He's breathing. Breathing again. <laughs> It was like a miracle, all right. But I didn't have no time to think about miracles. Not then I didn't. I had a neat little plan all worked out. And I had to spring it before Frankie got too much like him old self again. Right now, he was kind of dazed. And what was more important to me, pretty grateful to be seeing light coming through the windows. And no bars on them. I, I can't believe it. I, I just can't believe it. The last thing I remember, I... I was being strapped to that chair in the gas chamber, and, and oh, then... Oh, forget it, Frankie. You're going to be fine now. Oh, you bet I am. Especially when we pull out of here and I pick up that dough. That's got to take a little doing. You leave this house and you'll be spotted in a minute. Well, what do you expect me to do? Hold up in here like a hermit? we got a better plan than that. We're going to fix it so you'll never be recognized as Frankie Olin's again. Yeah? Well, how, how do you mean? Plastic surgery, Frankie. A new face to go with a new life. Well, you know, that's not bad. <laughs> not bad. Well, come on, let's do it and get it over with. That surgeon doesn't work for fun, Frankie. He wants 30 grand. And he wants it in advance. Well, okay. Lay it out. Well, what's the matter? Ain't my credit good for 30 grand? Oh, your credit's fine. The only trouble is we're broke. Shut up, Carl. Sally. What's he giving me? What do you want? An itemized statement of how much it costs to buy a life? All right, here it is. 5000 for each of the guards. 2000 for that other staff. 2500 You'll for... get it back with interest. Sure. Sure, we trust you, Frankie. Well, then what are you after? Look, honey, it isn't what we're after. 
It's what we gotta have. Enough of that 400000 to buy the plastic surgeon and then get us all out of here. But it isn't safe for me to go after it. You said so yourself, Sally. That's right, I did. But, uh, how about one of us going after it? No. No, I can't. You mean you want to drop the whole thing just after going this far? Well, why won't the surgeon go on the cuff? Maybe he don't believe you got 400000 buried. Why should he? I had nothing to show him. All right, then. Look, Sally, do you think you could convince him if... If you had a map to show him? Now you're making sense, Frankie. I don't know whether I am or not, but I'm trusting you, Sally. I'll draw a map of where the dough is, then you use it to sell the dock, see? But get this, nobody is to leave this joint until I'm ready to leave with him. Is that a deal, Sally? Sure, it's a deal, honey. Now just sit down, and I'll get you a pen and some paper. <laughs> Right at this point, on the left side of the highway, there's an auto club road sign. You just pace off ten yards into the woods from that sign, and that's it. Right next to a big rock. That's fine, Frankie. Here, I'll take that paper. Now, how about running up the dock, huh? So we can get this whole thing over with it. Jim! Get your hands up, Frankie. Go on. Now, over against the wall. Sally! You're not going to let him do this to us. Sally! Sorry, Frankie. But this is the way it's got to be. What? Why, you dirty little double-crosser, I'll kill you. I swear I'll kill you. Go on, go on. Get back to the wall. Yeah, that's better. You always were hot-headed, Frankie. Jim, don't do it. She'll only double-cross you like she done me. Carl. Carl, you tell him. Carl's not going to tell him a thing, Frankie. It's a simple question of arithmetic. Four hundred grand divided four ways just don't add up to as much as when you divide it among... Three. All right, Jim. Wait. For Pete's sake, wait. That map I drew, it ain't on the level. I was trying to trick you. Let me go and I'll show you where it's it is. It's no good, Frankie. We were expecting that one. So long, honey. No! That was the real end of Frankie Olin. I don't know why he couldn't understand. It was just a matter of simple arithmetic. Besides, it wasn't any crime. There's no crime involved, is there? Shooting a man who was already dead. already dead. No crime to be reckoned with in the courts of mortal men. But what of the crime reflected in the dark mirror of your mind, the hideous crime of your own obsession? In just a moment, we return to our story. Strange Obsession, starring Mary Anderson. In the white-walled cubicle of the psychopathic ward, the sweep hand of the clock turns silently on its orbit 
as Sally Bennett's voice knifes through the stillness like a thin blade of a scalpel ripping through membrane. Frank Orleans is dead. His debt to society marked paid in full. And somewhere, $400,000 lies waiting for those who can find it. For those whose murder-warped minds will stop at nothing under the compelling influence of obsession. So now there were only three of us. We piled into Carl's sedan. Jim, Carl, and me. And we started out. Well, Carl was anxious to get there all right. He drove like one of those high school kids, and I cut down Lizzie. What are you trying to do, Carl? Kill us all? Uh, you want to get there, don't you? Exactly, I want to get there. That's why I'd like you to slow down. Take it easy, both of you. Uh, right. Say, why don't we stop at a roadside hotel for the night and go on in the morning? Okay with you, Carl? Well, I, I think it's crazy, but uh, if that's the way you want it, okay. The three of us had dinner in an upstairs room. Dinner and wine and conversation. Conversation that set things up for a little plan I'd worked out with Carl. <laughs> How's about it, Jim? Another glass for you? I don't think I'd better have any. Don't be silly, Jim. We've got lots to celebrate tonight. <laughs> okay, yeah, certainly have. Okay, Carl, fill her up. Sure. You keep Jim company, Carl. I'm going to take a look at that balcony view. Okay, Sally. Okay. Well, here's to the 400 grand, Jim. And to Sally, huh? Ah, what a girl. Ah, and there's one thing I want you to keep straight, Carl. The money we divide, but not Sally. She's all mine, you understand? Uh, Jim. Huh? Why don't you come out here on the balcony with me? It's nice and private out here. Huh. <laughs> now, you don't have to repeat that invitation. Well... See you later, Carl. <laughs> Go to it, Jim. I wouldn't have a chance with her even if I wanted it. Here I am, Jim. Huh? Over by the railing. Oh. It's pretty out here, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You're pretty, Sally. Come here, come here. You and me are going to have a great time, aren't we? Why not? We'll have nearly 300,000 bucks to keep us warm, Sally. Anywhere we want to go, we go there. Anything we want to do, we do it. I've been waiting a long time for a setup like this. So have I. Oh, Jim, huh? look. Right in our backyard, a deer. Yeah, that's nice. Look at him, Jim. He's cute. Uh, I, I don't see anything. Here, get where I'm standing. Huh? Right by the rail. Uh, I still don't see anything. He's down under our balcony. You'll have to... Lean over to see him. Ah, uh, sure you're not seeing an elephant, Sally? A little pink one, huh? <laughs> oh, where? Now you're seeing things, Sally. Maybe you'd better have another drink. Oh. Carl, what are you... No, no, no! death from an accidental fall while under the influence of alcohol. Naturally, the other guest understood when Carl and I left immediately after the inquest. We, uh, we couldn't bear to hang around the scene of a tragedy. 
Besides, there was a pile of dough waiting to be dug up. Carl and I, we were the only members left of the 400 Grand Club. There were no secrets between us, except one. Just one. Carl didn't know that. I'd gotten Jim's gun. <laughs> a girl can't be too careful, you know. Nice, isn't it? <laughs> What's that? Uh, two of us alone. You did want it that way. What do you think, Carl? I think the future looks mighty sweet. <laughs> it was different with Frankie and Jim along. They were both suckers. Always in hot water with the cops. Ah, you and me. Nobody's got a thing on us. It's because we keep our heads working. Yeah, and that's why we... Get... Carl, Carl, there it is. Just the hell of us. The road sign on the map. Yeah, you're right. Come on, honey. Get your purse open. Just a minute, Carl. Get that shovel out of the turtle bag. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited I almost forgot. And you were just saying you always keep your head working. Well, mine's still on tight. Let's see now. Ten paces from the sign into the woods. Yeah, you measure it off. I'll get the thing. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine, ten. This must be it, all right. Does everything match up? It sure does. I came right out by this big rock, just like on the drawing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Carl. I'll keep a lookout, just in case anybody gets Yeah, healthy. okay, okay. Go on. You can start digging. Yeah, all right. <laughs> dig it plenty wide, Carl. No use missing the spot. <laughs> Don't worry, baby. I'll dig it wide as a grave. I never felt more like working. Oh, baby, there she is. Looks like an old tool chest, don't it? But we know better. Don't we, Carl? We know it's a gold mine. Come on, get it out of that hole. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. There she comes. Oh, oh there we are, safe and sound. Oh, now, Sally, now we can... Sally. Sally, what are you doing with that gun? It's a... Sally, we're, we're, we're partners, ain't we? There's plenty here for both of us. Please, Sally, don't, please. I don't know why none of them understood. It was all just simple arithmetic. I wanted it to be 400,000 divided among one. Me. And that's the way it was now. I pushed Carl's body into the grave he'd dug for himself. And then I knelt down beside the chest. And I pried it open with a shovel. And that did it. I wondered if the money would be in small bills or big ones. <laughs> I lifted the lid. There didn't seem to be anything in it. Just, just torn pieces of newspaper. But there had to be. It, it just couldn't be empty. Then I found something. An envelope. Sealed. That was it. I, I tore it open. Do you, do you know what was inside? There was a single dollar bill. And a note. A note from Frankie that said, Whoever's double-cross me, keep this buck for your trouble. 
the rest of the 400 grand, I'll leave to the worms. <laughs> to the worms. <laughs> me wandering on the highway. I don't know how I got there. I didn't remember anything until just a little while ago. And then I got this awful buzzing inside my head. I thought it'd go away if I told you about everything, but it it's worse than before. I, I guess I just gotta die to get rid of it. Anyway, it'll, it'll be better that way. I wouldn't want to live without the money. You see, I counted so much on it. I never thought about the things I was doing to get it until... the money wasn't there. You understand about that, don't you, Doc? It was all just simple arithmetic. Simple. Hold it up, Doctor. What's happened to her, Doctor Anholt? Oh, just a minute. No. No, it's no use. She's dead. Well, I guess we'd better call the police. What do you think? Do you believe any of her story? Well, it wouldn't be the first time money had done a thing like this. But if it was true, what about all that money, Doctor? That 400000 What are you going to do about that? Well, if you want to start a search for it, Williams, go right ahead. I'll see there's a room held in the ward for you. I might even be able to get you, uh, this one. the sands of an hourglass, and the woman in the ward was no more. And still somewhere there lies hidden $400,000, the price of four lives who were murdered by their own obsession. Obsession. Tonight's story starring Mary Anderson was produced and transcribed by C.P. McGregor in Hollywood.
midnight. Let go of my arms. I'll give you money. All the money you want. No, Fred, no! You monsters! I'll make you pay for this! Midnight. The witching hour when the night is darkest, our fears the strongest, and our strength at its lowest ebb. Midnight. When the graves gape open and death strikes. How? You'll learn the answer in just a minute in Murder's a Lonely Business. Unusual stories of terror and mystery by radio's masters of the macabre. This tale, A Study of Murder, in duet, is by William Morwood. Its title, Murder's a Lonely Business. At a cemetery... A burial is taking place. For as much as it hath pleased Almighty God and his great mercy to take unto himself the soul of our brother... The two chief mourners, Fred and Grace Tilson, stand beside the open grave. And as he looks at his wife, bitter thoughts course through Fred's mind. Look at her. Look at her standing there, dabbing her eyes with a handkerchief. Tears. Real tears after what she did. After what she made me do. She doesn't know what sincerity is or love or pity either. She's hard. Hard all the way through. And I never knew. Never even suspected to. Till we killed him. Now, after the way she acted, I'll never forget it. Never. A nightmare always. How can I go on living with her? How can I ever trust her again? What am I to do? Oh, Lord, I'd give anything for it. To think I ever married that sniveling creature. I believe he's really crying. Really sorry. As if he cared a hoop about his Uncle Edward outside of the money he could get out of him. He was ready enough to help put the old man out of the way the other night. Now his nerve's gone. All he can think about is a drink. That's the only time I feel safe with him. When he's drunk. And not always then. The way he's been carrying on lately, Lord knows what he'll say or do next. I'll have to watch him every minute of the time. He's a fool. And through thy mercy, O our Lord, who livest and reignest with the Father and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end, Amen. Amen. Goodbye, Uncle Edward. They're throwing dirt on your coffin now. But you won't mind. You're cold and silent now. Very different from the way you were three nights ago. Three nights ago. 
Was that all it was? Another lifetime, but... Yes, that's right. Driving up to his house in the dark. Putting ourselves in. Uncle Edward! He must be up in his study. I guess so. Servant's night out. Uncle Edward! The door above opened, and Uncle Edward started down the marble staircase. In my mind's eye, instead of Uncle Edward, I could see my friends, a whole crowd filling the room, and myself in a gorgeous gown descending to greet them. A much more fitting picture than the stodgy form of Uncle Edward as he came down toward us. Well, well, this is a surprise. I thought we'd drop in, Uncle Edward. It's been a long time. Six weeks, to be exact, Fred. How are you, Grace? Wonderful, thanks, Uncle Edward. Well, I'm glad to hear it. You look a little uh, off your feed. Come on into the library. You'll be more comfortable here. Oh, uh, a drink, Fred? Why, uh... Don't be polite. From what I hear, you're rarely seen without one these days. <laughs> you sound as if you'd had spies watching us, Uncle Edward. It's entirely possible. What? I've certainly been interested in your activities. For instance, I hear you can be found at a gambling house almost every evening, Grace. Oh, only the fashionable ones, where everybody goes. You've got to keep in the swim nowadays. If you can afford it. You can't. Not on Fred's salary. That's the trouble. Well, frankly, Uncle Edward, that's why we've come here tonight. We're in a jam again. Hmm. Money? What else? And you want me to bail you out, huh? Well, I'll be equally frank with you. This time, I'm not going to do it. Well, just as well. I'm sorry I've helped you out of messes often enough in the past. Each time, I hoped you'd pull yourself together, settle down and lead solid, respectable lives. But each time, you disappointed me. Now, I've given up hoping. Uncle Edward, I promise you... Too late, Fred. I can't believe your promises anymore. I've given you and Grace every chance. Now, I'm washing my hands of you. You can't expect help from me ever again. Now or in the future. Exactly what does that mean? My lawyer's coming here tomorrow. And I'm going to cut Fred out of my will. Cut him out entirely. Uncle Edward. Every cent I have is to be left to charity. Well, you're not serious. You can't be. Well, it's not fair. I'm your only nephew and There's I... There's no use talking, Fred. My mind is made up. <clears throat> now, would you care to discuss the weather? No. I thought you wouldn't, Grace. Come along, Fred. Uh, Uncle Edward, I advise you to change your mind about this. I beg your pardon? Because if you don't, you may live to be sorry. We went outside. Grace was in a white rage, and I was all jumping myself. We walked around the garden paths, trying to get hold of ourselves before we started back to town. You know what this means, don't you, Fred? The end of everything... We'll never be able to get credit once it's known that Uncle Edward's cut us off. Yes, I know. Somehow, some way, we've got to stop him from changing his will. But how? You know there's no use arguing with him. He's as stubborn as a mule. Besides, there's no time left. He's going to do it tomorrow. I know. Unless, of course, something happens to him before that. Such as? He could die. What? Suddenly. Some chance he's as healthy. Grace, what are you thinking of? You know. You're mad. If you want to spend the rest of your life struggling with debts, not able to do anything, I don't. But... Everything's perfect for it. The old man's alone in the house. 
No one knows we called this evening. No one will. Stop it. I won't listen to you. Be a man for once in your life. Everything you want. Money, luxury. For five minutes' work. Yes, but how? The gun. The gun he keeps in the desk in his study. You've seen it. Yes, We'll take the money, valuables, to make it look like a robbery. Well? What are you afraid of? The sight of a little blood? Grace, I I don't know you when you talk like this. I know what I'm after for both of us. It's our only chance of a future. Together. Are you coming? I... Yes. All right. Then let's go in. The servants will be coming back. We haven't any time to waste. We went back into the house, climbed the long staircase to Uncle Edward's study. My mouth was dry, my knees were shaking, and we reached the landing. Knock on the door. Grace, suppose it's too late to suppose anything. Knock. Yes? Come in. I was expecting you back. You were? Certainly. I didn't think you let the money go that easily. Not after Grace's threat. What? What do you mean? You should have been a man, Grace. You've a completely ruthless streak in you. You'll stop at nothing to get what you're after. No wonder you've led poor Fred around by the nose so long. Now, look here, Uncle Edward. Sorry to hurt your feelings, Fred, but you must admit it's true. Now, if you two will explain why you came back... We hope to make you change your mind. You should know me better than that. I've said my last word. Not your last, Uncle Edward. Not yet. What Grace means is... You don't have to explain, Fred. Her interest in my desk explains itself. (laughs) The right-hand drawer, Grace. Were uh, you by any chance looking for this? The gun? Yes, I took the precaution of removing it. As I said, I was expecting you back. I, I, I don't know what you're talking about, Uncle Edward. I, I was only looking for your checkbook. I thought the least that you could do was to help us out of our present difficulties. It's a good story, Grace, but not quite good enough. Now, as it's almost twelve, perhaps you'd both be good enough to leave my house permanently. Well, you win, Uncle Edward. I suppose we were foolish to think that we could find a soft spot in that stone heart of yours. You were foolish, all right. This way. This reminds me of the old days when Fred and I were first married, when we used to come and visit you. You used to see us to the head of the stairs when it came time to go. Just like this. That was a long time ago. I wish those days could come back. <clears throat> Impossible. Well, good night, Fred. And goodbye. Well, aren't you going to shake hands with your only nephew? Well, since it's for the last time, goodbye, Fred. Hold him, Freddy. Let go of me, Grace. Get what? No, no. no. I'll give you money. All the money you want. Oh, Fred, no. oh you monsters. I'll make you pay for this. Grace, what what did we do? What did you make? Get down there, quick. There's no pulse. His heart is dead. Grace, when we find him. An accident. The old man tripped on the stairs and broke his back. The money's ours, Fred. Everything we wanted. What's that? Grace, you're here. 
A dead man lying at the foot of the stairs. And a white-faced couple staring at each other. Did they hear a voice from beyond? Is it possible for the dead to make the living pay for... Murder! At Midnight. And now, here is Grace Tilson to continue our story. It went according to plan. The inquest raised no ugly questions or suspicions. And then after Uncle Edward's funeral, we settled down in the great old mansion. I could have been happy. So happy. Except for Fred. He'd taken to drinking again. Haven't you had enough, Fred? Another little drink won't do me. Excuse You're such an idiot. The way you've been acting ever since... Since we did in poor Uncle Edward. Don't be afraid to say it, Grace. We're alone now. Why did you give up your job so suddenly? I'm a rich man now. No need to work. But it looks so suspicious. And the way you've let yourself slip. That dirty shirt. You haven't shaved in two days. <laughs> Don't tell me you're ashamed of me. I can't ask anyone to the house. And I had such plans for us. Entertaining parties. Making a name for ourselves. Sorry, that's not my idea of a career. In heaven's name, what is? Drinks. More drinks. Then another one. I won't let you turn into a drunken bum. I won't be disgraced like that. I'll do exactly what I like, and you won't stop me. Don't forget, my love. We share a little secret together. I'm not forgetting. No matter what happens, you're tied to me for the rest of your life. I wouldn't be too sure of that, Fred. If I get a chance at what I want, you won't stand in my way. Nothing will. What did she mean by that? I thought about it, brooded over it, couldn't forget it. Then one evening as we sat together in a nightclub, things became clearer. Did you hear me, Fred? What? I said I wanted a cigarette. Oh, certainly, my love. Here you are. Match? If you can hold it steady enough. Why do you have to get soused every time we go out? A tribute to your intoxicating charm. Oh, don't be so... Oh, well, there's Ronnie. Good old Ronnie. Dowager's delight. Now, if you'll only look over this way. With that dress you're wearing? You will. Ronnie! Oh, Ronnie! The change that came over. Smile. Sparkling eyes as he came over to our table. Well, hello there. <laughs> this is a pleasant surprise, bumping into you again, Tilsons. Mm. Getting to be a regular routine. The theater, the races, everywhere I go with Grace. Yes, we seem to share a lot in common, Fred. Sit down, Ronnie. What do you have to drink? Oh, nothing, thanks. I've had my quota for the evening. Well, I'm glad someone knows when to stop. Maybe Ronnie's got other vices. <laughs> I have, Fred. <laughs> One of them's dancing. Do you mind if I take Grace out on the floor for a turn? Why, ask me. I'm sure Grace will agree to anything you say. Fred, now what kind of a nasty... Oh, come on, Grace. Fred didn't mean anything. Well, see you later, old boy. They danced well together. 
As I watched them, I remembered the things I'd heard about Ronnie. Of his rich wife who died so conveniently. The fortune he'd run through. I saw Grace look into his eyes. Their lips moved. Suspicion grew on me till it became a certainty. They were plotting my death. The veins stood out in my forehead. My hands grew cold. But I knew exactly what I had to do. I had to strike first. I had to kill them before they killed me. If only I knew what they were plotting. If only I could hear they were whispering to each other. Grace, darling, you're so silent. It's Fred. How dare he act that way? Oh, he's a very unpleasant person. Of course, he's under the weather. But that's no excuse. Just means he doesn't give a rap for you. Never has. Well, don't let's talk about him. Right. Music's lovely. Yes. So are you. Ronnie. You dance like an angel. I could hold you in my arms forever. Oh, we're just made for each other. You know that, Grace, don't you? I'd rather not think about it. But you must. Have you considered what we talked about the other day? It's impossible. Why? I love you more than anything in the world. We have the same tastes and ambitions. We could be a wonderful success together. But... You love me, too, don't you? Oh, yes, yes. Well, then what's stopping us? What's so precious about the life of a drunken bum? Fred's my husband. Husband? Do you love him? Even respect him? No. I did feel sorry for him. But not anymore. Not after tonight. I hate him. That's more like it. Well, then there's nothing to interfere. Except... The danger? Leave that in my hands. You have just one job to do, Grace. And that? Get Fred up to my place in the mountains for a vacation. I guarantee he'll never come back. I don't know if I should have been suspicious. Fred agreed to go up to Ronnie's place with surprising ease. It was almost as if he'd been expecting the invitation. The night we planned to do it, we sat in the living room, just the three of us. Ronnie was playing the piano. I'm afraid I'm awfully rusty. I haven't practiced in weeks. <laughs> it sounds grand to me, Ronnie. Why don't you join him, Grace? I know you're just dying to play with Ronnie. Duet, I mean. Well, that's all we have time for anyway. I promised the Pearsons we wouldn't be late. Oh, that beach picnic. Tell you the truth, I don't feel much like it. You promised to go, Fred. Do your world of good, old boy. Wonderful night for a swim. You both seem very anxious to get me down to that lake. Why? <laughs> Why not at all. I... If you want Grace and me to go alone. All right, I'll come. But I've got to go upstairs for my bathing suit. Wait for me here. Well, hurry it up, old boy. All set, Grace? You know exactly what to do? I think so. You make a great fuss about Fred drinking. That'll be remembered afterwards. I'll take care of him at the raft. Push his head underwater and... You'll struggle. He'll call out. Not in the condition he's in. He's as weak as a baby. Be all over in a few minutes. I'll swim back Ronnie! Yes? Isn't there some other way? We love each other so much. Can't we just... Run off together? Let's be realistic, darling. We need the money. His money. Love in a cottage isn't our style. 
I suppose not. Where is he? What's keeping him so long? I'm just as glad. Come on, Grace. I want to make sure there's an extra bottle of whiskey for him in the car. This way, darling. Through here, into the garage. Give me your hand, Ronnie. Now, darling, everything's going to be all right. Just being with you. Ronnie. Yes? I saw something moving. Where? Over there. Behind the car. Oh, Fred! Hello. Thought I'd hurry things up by coming straight out to the garage. Well, you... You gave us quite a start. Why, Grace? Something on your conscience? Well, the Pearsons will be on our necks if we don't get started soon. Well, in you go. We're off to the races. But just try to pick the winner. We drove out to the road. The winding road that led down to the valley. I knew just the spot where I had to leave it. From there on, their only companion would be the man with the sickle. Slow down, uh, Ronnie. Huh? I'm not going to picnic after all. My, my head's splitting. But it's too late to drive you back, Fred. You won't have to. I'll, uh, I'll walk. Just let me out. Very well. But, Ronnie... It's all right, Grace. We don't want Fred to have a miserable time at the picnic when we can settle things so much better this way. Oh, thanks. I hate to run out on you, but I've got my health to think of. Oh, sure. Oh, incidentally, there's a shortcut back to the house uh, through the fence there. I don't see it. Uh, go on ahead. I'll turn the headlights on it. Oh, thanks. Well, so long. Have a good trip. Where are you going? Get up! Get up! Ronnie, you ran him down. You killed him. It's what we wanted, isn't it? But not here. Not out here on the road. It'll look like a hit-and-run accident. We'll double back at the bottom of the hill and pretend we came from another direction. Oh, we won't get away with it, Ronnie. It's no use. They'll catch us this time. Snap no. out of it, Grace. Sorry. But you've got to get hold of yourself. Yes. Yes, I must. I can't go all to pieces. My hands are trembling. So... Where are you going? Uh, take the wheel. You're going to drive. No! I can't. Now move over. Go on. No. Now drive. Your life depends on it. Both our lives. I started down the steep zigzag road, and slowly my nerves relaxed. As the car swooped around the curves, I felt a strange acceleration. Easy on these curves, Grace. It's a sheer drop if we go over the cliff. Oh, are you scared now, Ronnie? Well, I want to keep my neck in one piece. You needn't worry. I'm a good driver. Fred always said... What's the matter? Nothing. Keep your mind on the road. There's a hairpin bend ahead of here that... Hey, hey, look out. Okay, I see it. I pushed on the brake. The pedal went all the way to the floor, but nothing caught. Nothing. No, Grace. Now, do you know what I was doing there in the garage? I disconnected the brakes. Heave it. Fred! The fence, Grace! The he fence! Connected them. Yes, Grace! I meant to kill you and Ronnie. Grace, slow down! Oh, Ronnie, for heaven's sake, don't stop! Slow down! Slow down! It's too late now! And a long, long drop to the ruts. See you soon, Grace! Murder is a lonely business. 
again when death plays host and the clocks strike twelve for murder at midnight. The part of Grace was played by Helen Shields. Wendell Holmes was her husband. Carl Emery, her lover. With music by Charles Paul, Murder at Midnight was directed by Anton M. Leader. our show for tonight. I want to thank you all for listening. And remember, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash terror 1970. Or you can find me on Instagram at Radio Show Nerd or on Twitter at Radio Show Nerd 1. And if you want to drop me a line, say hello, make a suggestion or request, a even a critique, respectfully, please feel free to email me at radioshownerd at gmail.com. I also have a YouTube page, Terror Radio. Please check it out. Subscribe. Like the videos. Highly appreciated. Again, this is your host, Keith, better known as the Radio Show Nerd, signing off. <laughs>